Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Hey, let me ask you um, a question. You guys know what a pet peeve is? Yeah, we all, those are those little things in our life that just kind of bug us a little bit, right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a, a 30 seconds. I want you to turn to a couple people around you and I want you to share with them like one or two of your biggest pet peeves. All right, three, two, one, go, go. What's a couple of your biggest pet peeves? Please don't say Ryan's preaching. <laughs> well, we obviously got a lot of pet peeves. <laughs> we might just let this go for the rest of the service. <laughs> you know, I have, I have a lot of pet peeves. Um, Andrea actually... Um, Andrea actually makes fun of me um, because of how many pet peeves I have. Um, some of them, I'll share uh, just a few um, with you, but um, traffic. I cannot stand traffic. I don't know about your pace of life, but I could be 20 minutes early to a meeting and I'm still driving like I'm running late, right? And so every car is always in the way, but Anytime we're going somewhere and it's backed up traffic, we switch, she drives, I ride because it just drives me crazy. What about this one? Um, wobbly restaurant tables. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, can't somebody just walk the restaurant and push on the tables once a week and just check and see, like, right? Um, uh, I, I can't stand um, crowded grocery stores. When I'm having to like dodge a ton of people and they're in the way, that just like irritates me. Um, here's one. I'm kind of hesitant to share this pet peeve because I know our church and I know like 99% of you are going to start doing what I'm about to tell you. Um, but when people invade your personal space, how about that? Um, like 20 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, uh, and it obviously wasn't here, but uh, I was in at the end of the service, uh, we had an um, altar time, and so I was down praying with some people, and the service had ended, and uh, this guy walks up, and we were on like one side of the, of the uh, altar, and he walks up just kind of asking me some questions or whatever, and, um, and he kind of gets right up, right up on top of me talking. And so what I, what I did was I just kind of, I'm talking to him and I'm like, okay, this dude is like away in my space. And so I just kind of, I kind of lean back a little bit and I take like a back step. I don't know if you noticed that little back step, right? And I just kind of created a little bit of space um, and then I moved my other foot back, right? What did he do? He stepped forward. <laughs> Oh my gosh, he stepped forward. And I am not lying because I'm in church. I am not lying. By the time that conversation was over, I had moved from one side of the altar to the other side of the altar. And he never even noticed it. Never even noticed it. Pet peeves. Um, 
I think my biggest pet peeve, because I got a lot of things, but I think, I think nothing annoys me more than fast cars, right, being driven by slow drivers in the fast lane, in the fast lane. There's just, there's something about, there's something about that that just drives me crazy because the car's not being used the way that it was designed to be used. Now, I want you to listen to this next statement, and I want you to just lean in because it's a heavy statement. But here, here it is. I wonder if God has a pet peeve, if God gets frustrated a little bit with us when we live our life different than the way he created us to live. <laughs> You're like, oh, I picked the wrong Sunday to be here. Let me say it like this. So I've got a, um, I got a Kia Stinger and uh, in my Stinger, um, which is a vehicle, um, on the gear shift here, right behind the gear shift is this little knob. And the knob allows me to be able to switch between different modes that the car can drive in. And so it has a, an economy mode, right? It has a comfort mode, and then it has a sport mode, right? The economy mode is all about conserving the power in order to save gas, right? The comfort mode is all about making the car perform in such a way that it makes, makes it more comfortable as I drive it. And then the sport mode is all about like opening up the engine and letting it run the way that the designers wanted it to run. And I think that sometimes in our life, we kind of drive our life that way. Where we have this like knob and we, and we change the setting from time to time. We change it to economy mode where we're doing just enough to get by, right? Or we change it to comfort mode, which is really everything about us, like all of our decisions and the way that we live our life is, is all about us and what we want. Or the sport mode, which I would kind of rename in this context as the purpose mode, like why and how God has created each of us, that it's the way that God desires or intends us to live our life. And what we're gonna learn today as we look at Thessalonians, what we're gonna see is we're gonna see the Apostle Paul praying a prayer, desperately hoping that this group of new young believers, that this church will live their life to their full potential. Now, although this was written almost 2,000 years ago, I fully believe that it's still the desire of God's heart that all of us live in purpose mode in our life. And so today, I want us in week seven of our message series called The Space Between, I want us to dig in a little bit to to a prayer that Paul prays in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I want us to see what Paul is desiring from his heart for this young church 
and what I believe God is desiring for each of us. If you're taking notes today, I've entitled today's message, Living the Life That God Intended. Living the Life That God Intended. So as you make your way to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse 11 through 12 today. Quick little backstory so you know what's going on. Paul is now writing letter number two, right? The first letter was all about encouraging uh, these young believers because uh, despite the persecution that they're facing, um, they are persevering through it. He's also writing 1 Thessalonians because he had some theological concerns at the way and the things that they were believing related to the second coming. And so now, a few months after he writes 1 Thessalonians, he begins to, to hear, whether it's through the rumor mill or whatever, that there's steer, still some lack of clarity regarding some of, of their beliefs. And so he writes the second letter in order to bring some additional clarity. And so look with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going we're gonna to look at this prayer starting in verse 11. He says this, so we keep on praying for you. Now notice this, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. I want to stop right there because that is a strong statement. His prayer that, that he's asking God to enable them to live a life that is worthy of their call. I think what that tells us in this, in this first part of the verse is that there's really two ways that we can choose to live our life. We can live our life worthy of the call or we can live our life unworthy of the call. Now that's something that's hard for all of us to really, really hold close to our heart because in our society and culture today, we live in a time and an age where, where we want Christianity, we want to be able to follow Christ on our own terms. But in this context, what we see is that there is a way that we can live our life that is worthy of the price that Jesus paid on the cross, but that there's also a way that we can live our wife, 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 life, however it needs to come out of my mouth. That is unworthy. Now, this isn't a new concept for Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, you may be familiar with this, he says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold. And what is he taking hold of? That for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, my purpose. He says in Ephesians 4, verse 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Now, what I find interesting about this word worthy in Ephesians 4 and the word worthy in 2 Thessalonians is that the original 
Um, the original word in the original writing is the word axios. And axios means to balance the scales. It means that on one side of the scale is going to be the same weight as the other side of the scale. So it is balanced. And I think what Paul is trying to say in using this word in this this passage that we're reading is that our daily lives should reflect our spiritual position as children of God. That the way that we live our life and the things that we do in our life should balance the scale of what Jesus has done for our life. It's kind of like this, like if you look at this word through the context of, of our car analogy, It's like we, in order to balance the scales, we are driving the car of our life the way that is intended to be driven. But most people never do it, and the reason why they never do it is because when you drive your life in purpose mode, right, sports mode, you lose control. Like in my car, when I turn it to sports mode, it it, if I'm going to gun it, if I'm going to floor it, and I'm going to drive it, and I'm going to take off, there is a little part of me that's a little bit antsy, a little bit uneasy, because I'm releasing the power in the car to do what it's designed to do, and I'm losing control. And the challenge for many of us is we want to live our life in eco mode or comfort mode, because in that, we can conserve or we can control. And I want you, listen, I want you to hear my heart for just a second. And and if you're new here, hear my heart is a trigger word. Well, it's a phrase, a trigger phrase. It means something heavy's coming, right? And just give me a little bit of, give me a little bit of grace. But some of us miss out on living the life that God has intended us to live, not because God is not faithful in fulfilling his promises and not because we make mistakes or we fall short, but we miss out on living the life that God has intended us to live because we choose comfort over courage. Comfort over courage. And my fear is that there is a vacuum of courage in the body of Christ today. There's a vacuum of courage. The American church is full of of play it safe, patty cake, self-centered Christians whose spiritual engines keep needing to be restarted because they never exhibit the courage to release the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And I wanna be honest with you that most churches today, especially in America, have a small percentage of courageous believers risking the deep waters of their faith while everybody else is chilling out on the shores with their toes in the water. And I'm telling you, nobody fulfills their purpose living that way. And I can certainly tell you that no church changes their community, the place that God has planted them in 
when they live a life absent of courage. And Paul, in this passage of scripture, he's telling this group of new believers, he's like, don't be that church. Don't be the kind of people and the kind of church that lives life all about what is comfortable to them and isn't courageous enough to do and to live the way that God has intended them to live. Hey, turn to somebody today. Say, choose courage. Choose courage. Paul then unpacks the second part. You're like, thank God we're moving on. (laughs) The second part of verse 11. And he begins to unpack kind of the the how. Like, like, yes, we got to choose courage, but how do we navigate this in our life? And he says, this is prayer. May he give you, speaking of God, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Now, I want you to notice here in this verse that God's part is the prompting. His part is to deposit the idea in your heart. And then his other part is to empower you to do it. Can you see the missing ingredient between the two? There is a prompting and an empowering, but at some point in the middle, there has to be a doing. There has to be the courage to release the prompting in our heart and to take the step towards that thing. And if God is the one that has to empower us, then it means that we're having to take a step outside of our comfort zone in order to do what he's prompting us to do. Paul also said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God told him that my grace is all that you need, that my power works best in your weakness. Friend, courage, courage exists where weakness begins. Like there is no such thing as courage if there isn't ever anything fearful or scary for us to do. And here's the problem. It's that so oftentimes we're triggering that thing to eco mode or to comfort mode because we want to live a life and to have a faith that doesn't disrupt us, right? It doesn't make us feel uneasy. It doesn't cause us to have to take steps of faith. What does the word say? That it's impossible to please God without what? Faith. What do you need faith for? The things that you are scared to death to do. And I think what we see in this passage of what Paul is praying is that we see this idea of God in the back seat of our life prompting us to change modes to purpose mode. And if you're anything like me, you've felt that prompting in your life. You've felt that nudge to balance the scale in your life so that your life and your purpose match the spiritual position that you have 
in Christ. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but there's only two areas of our life that God will prompt us in. He prompts us in our character so that we can be who God has created us to be. And he prompts us in our works or our purpose that we will do what God wants us to do. And so here's the, here's one of the questions around, okay, Ryan, if I got to have courage and God's going to prompt me and on the other side of the prompting is going to be an empowering, how do I discern between what God is prompting me and what the pepperoni pizza last night is prompting me? (laughs) And here's three questions, three filters. I'm sure there are more, but these are three that we can filter these promptings that we have through. The first one is this. Is this prompting sinful? (laughs) I know that's tricky in our culture because in today's day and age, you know, we don't really hold the Bible as, as, as undisputed as the faith of our foundation. We kind of look at the Bible and we, and we determine like the things that we, we believe in and then the things that, that um, society says that, that are not acceptable and then we dismiss things. But at the end of the day, the prompting of God in our life will never lead us to do something that is outside of what scripture commands us to do. And so we would ask the question as the prompting comes, like, all right, where does it, where does this align in the word of God? And is this considered sinful through, not through the lens of culture, but through the lens of his word? And then the next one, you're not going to like the next one. (laughs) The next one, the next question, does it scare me? first one is, is it sinful? But the second question that you're going to have to ask when you're trying to discern the promptings of God in your life is, does it scare me? Because God's purpose is for your life is always on the other side of your comfort zone. Always. Because if it's not on the other side of your comfort zone, then you're the one that does the empowering to fulfill the prompting, right? Because you can do it. You've got the strength, you've got the talent. You can do it. And that leads me to the third question, is who gets the glory? The third filter. Who's the one that's gonna get the glory? Because I can tell you this that God is not in the business of prompting and empowering us to do things so that we can shine the light of the glory on ourselves. It's all about we do what we do, we step outside of our comfort zone, we go after God, we have the courage in the gap between the prompting and the power. We do it so that we can shine the light of what Jesus has done in our life and point people to Jesus. And that's probably why Paul was so quick in the next verse, in verse 12, to say that if we, 
If we live that way, that then the name of the Lord, now I'm going to read between the lines in the text, between 11 and 12, that if he's saying then, meaning that the prompting comes, the courage happens, and the empowerment of whatever the prompting is that causes us to get outside of our comfort zone, um, enables us to do what God is prompting us to do, that then this happens. Not, not if there's a prompting and we have the power, the ability to do it, with it's in our sweet spot and it shines the light on us and what we're doing. Not that. But when God prompts us and we run it through the filters of is this sinful? Does this scare me a little bit? And what, who's gonna receive the glory from doing whatever the prompting is when we run it through those filters and have the courage to do it, Paul says, then this is what happens. The name of the Lord Jesus will be honored. Like we start pointing people to Jesus. Don't look at me and think that I'm anything special because I'm not. Look at me and realize that this little introvert that didn't grow up in church, that has a learning disability, had the courage enough to hear the prompting and to step out and to allow God to empower me to do what he's created me to do. And I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, if you live the rest of your life in eco mode or comfort mode, where it's all about your gifts and talents and your passions or whatever, and those things are great. But if you're never willing to step out into the territory of the unfamiliar, or what scares you, or what makes you nervous, or what you look back and you say, well, I can't do that because I'm not good at that. It's not about that. Because what, Paul's, what God told Paul was that it's not in your strength that he's showing up, it's in the weakness that he's showing up. Paul says then, the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way that you live, the courageous faith that you exhibit, he says, and you will be honored along with him. That this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think what Paul is saying, and I'll kind of summarize verse 12 on the screens, that when we live our life in purpose mode, not only does God work through us to point people to Jesus, but God works in us to make us more like Jesus. And so friend, here's, here's the question that all of us have to wrestle with. What has God been prompting you to do but you've been too scared to do it. What have you sensed God prompting you to do, but you have been too scared to do it? Maybe there's a, a habit in your life that you've been too scared to have the conversation that needs to be had in order to bring that habit out of darkness into the light. 
Maybe there's somebody in here that God has been prompting you and you can run it through these three filters. He's been prompting you to start a business, but the fear of the unknown on the other side has kept you from the courageous decision. Maybe for some of you, the the prompting is to to serve at the church, or maybe it's to lead a small group, or maybe it's to, to step out and, and, and to start trusting God with the finances, or, or maybe it's to have a difficult conversation with somebody that you, you recognize that every time their name comes up, something stirs on the inside of you, and you know it's not right. Or maybe for somebody, the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your heart today isn't to do something, but it's to wait. I don't know about you, but sometimes waiting requires more courage than acting. God said in Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, for I know the plans that I have for you that there are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future, to give you a hope. Great promise, but here's the kicker. The promise doesn't apply to us if we live our life in eco or comfort mode. And the reason why is because we only experience God's promises when we are aligned with God's purpose. Let me say that again. We only experience God's promises in our life when we are aligned with God's purposes in our life. We've got a couple in our church, PJ and Dennis Comer. You know, it wasn't in God's plan for them to have kids. They did a a, a video testimony a while back. But despite the desire for them to have children and the reality of it not being God's plan for their life, they chose to live life in purpose mode anyways. And God prompted them to pour into young adults like those young adults were their own kids. God prompted, they had courage, and God empowered. And in this church today, I would guess that there's probably more than 50 people whose lives have been positively impacted because of the courage of PJ and Dennis. I think of Dr. Hans Herkeley and Jose Yegris in here on the drums and the prompting of God to use their medical training to help underprivileged people in our community. About a year ago, they had the courage to come and have a conversation with me. 
The three of us had the courage to say, we don't know what this is going to look like, but let's try it. And we presented in front of this congregation last December a dream of being able to to pour into our community and to be able to, to, to give clothes away, to be able to have counseling, to be able to offer medical treatment, to do all of these different things. And guess what happened? You had the courage to volunteer and to give. And in December, we raised over $24,000 to go towards this ministry to be able to do what God has called us to do. And on July 29th, we have our second Dream Center event at this church. Because God prompted, and we had the courage, and God empowered. What does it take to live the life that God intended us to live? Courage. Courage to choose purpose mode instead of eco mode or comfort mode in our life. Courage to risk the deep waters instead of playing it safe on the shore. Courage to trust God that if he's going to prompt you, then he's going to empower you. Is it scary? Absolutely. Is it outside of your comfort zone? you can guarantee it. Does it always make sense in your mind? Hardly ever. Friend, we can't have his promises in our life if our life isn't aligned with his purpose. And to settle for anything less than that to be like a fast car driven by a slow driver in the fast lane. Friend, what a shame. In hindsight, when we look back and we're in heaven and we look back over our lives, what a shame to know that God gave us all of this potential at our fingertips and we never chose to use it. What has God been prompting you to do that has been too scary for you to take a step of faith, a courageous step, because you didn't know how it was going to happen or whether it was in your wheelhouse or whether you had the gifting or whether you were this or whether you were that or whatever the list of things in your rear view mirror that you use to disqualify you for all, from all that God has for you. Like, what is that prompting? And what would it look like? How might your life 
look different a year from now if you were willing to have the courage to do something scary because you knew that when God prompts it, he empowers it. When God prompts it, he empowers it. All I have to do is be courageous enough to step into it. With every head bowed and eye closed today, our team in just a second is gonna go into just a, a short chorus, but I want you to ask the Holy Spirit that question. What are you saying to me today? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through this message? Let's take a minute and open our ears to what he might say. Father, we come before you today. And first and foremost, Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Lord, if we've been living our life in eco mode or comfort mode where we're making decisions about, about ourselves and what makes us happy and what shines the light on our own life, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would forgive us. But Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross so that there would be mercy, so that there would be grace, so that we could miss it at times in our life and that it wouldn't disqualify us from your purpose. And Father, today as we as we sit here in this moment with our ears open to your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would shine a light on the prompting, Lord, of what you're wanting us to do. Father, I don't know what situations are in this room. I don't know what people are going through and what they're facing. I don't know what weight they carried when they came in. But I do know this, because of your word, that when you prompt us to do something, that if we will have the courage to do it, that you will empower that thing to come to pass. 
And so whether the prompting is a relational prompting, a marital prompting, a financial prompting, an acting prompting, Lord, a gifting prompting, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that right now in this moment, your Holy Spirit would make it evident and plain in our hearts. That God, you would give us the power to accomplish it as we step out in courage to fulfill it. Lord, we come against the enemy today. The enemy that would be standing outside of those doors that as we walk out in this room, we're making a commitment to be courageous But the moment we walk out these doors and we get a phone call or we get a text message or the enemy begins to to create so seeds of doubt and fear in our mind, I come against the enemy that would try to steal the word of the Lord today that has the power to transform our lives from where it currently is to the potential that you have in us. Lord, seal your word, seal the prompting today. And Father, may we walk it out in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening. And we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.